Chapter 4 of Notwithstanding by Mary Chumley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 4. Je m'en vais au vent mauvais, qui m'emporte de ça, de là, pareil à la l'infoie morte. Verlaine. It was the second day of Dick's illness. Annette's life had revived somewhat, though the long sleep had not taken the strange look from her eyes. But Mrs. Stoddart's fears for her were momentarily allayed. Tears were what she needed, and tears were evidently a long way off. And Annette fought for the life of poor Dick as if he were indeed her bridegroom, and Mrs. Stoddart abetted her as if he were her only son. The illness was incalculable, abnormal. There were intervals of lucidity followed by long lapses into unconsciousness. There were hours in which he seemed to know them, but could neither speak nor move. There were times when it appeared as if the faint flame of life had flickered quite out, only to waver feebly up again. Together the two women searched every article of Dick's effects, but they could find no clue to his address or identity. Annette remembered that he had had a pocket-book, and seeing him had taken a note out of it to pay for the tickets. But the pocket-book could not be found, or any money. It was evident that he had been robbed that first evening when he was drinking. Some of his handkerchiefs were marked with four initials, R. L. G. M. Richard Legay M. Then he had another name as well, said Mrs. Stoddart. You can't recall ever having heard it? Annette shook her head. He's supposed to be an English lord, she said, and very rich, and he rides his own horses and makes and loses a great deal of money on the turf. And he is peculiar, very depressed one year and very wild the next. That is all that people like us who are not his social equals know of him. "'I do not even know what your name is,' said Mrs. Stoddart tentatively, as she rearranged Dick's clothes in the drawers, and took up a bottle of lotion which had evidently been intended for his strained neck. "'My name is Annette.' "'Well, Annette, I think the best thing you can do is to write to your home and say that you are coming back to it immediately.' "'I have no home.' Mrs. Stoddart was silent. Any information which Annette vouchsafed about herself always seemed to entail silence. "'I have made up my mind,' Annette went on, "'to stay with Dick till he is better. "'He is the only person I care a little bit about.' "'No, Annette, you do not care for him. "'It is remorse for your neglect of him "'that makes you nurse him with such devotion.' "'I do not love him,' said Annette. "'But then how could I? I hardly know him. "'But he meant to be kind to me. He was the only person who was kind. He tried to save me, though not in the right way. Poor Dick, he does not know much. But I must stay and nurse him till he is better. I can't desert him. My dear, said Mrs. Stoddart impatiently, that is all very well, but you cannot remain here without a scandal. It is different for an old woman like myself. And though we have not yet got into touch with his family, we shall directly. If I can't get a clue otherwise, I shall apply to the police.' "'You must think of your own character.' "'I do not care about my character,' said Annette in the same tone in which she might have said she did not care for black coffee. "'But I do,' said Mrs. Stoddart to herself. "'And I have a little money,' Annette continued, "'at least not much money, only a few louis. "'But I have these.' And she drew out from her neck a row of pearls. They were not large pearls, but they were even and beautifully matched. "'They were mothers,' she said, "'They will be enough for the doctor and the nurse and the hotel bill, won't they?' 
Mrs. Stoddart put down the bottle of lotion and took the pearls in her hand and bent over them, trying to hide her amazement. "'They are very good,' she said slowly. "'Beautiful colour and shape.' Then she raised her eyes, and they fell once more on the bottle. "'But what am I thinking of?' she said sharply. "'There is the clue I need, staring me in the face. How incredibly stupid I am! There is the parish chemist's name on it, and the number of the prescription.' I can wire to him for the address to which he sent the bottle. "'Dick has a valet at his address,' said Annette, "'and of course he would know all about his people.' "'How do you know he has a valet?' "'He met Dick at the station with the luggage he was to have come to Fontainebleau with him, "'but Dick sent him back at the last moment, I suppose because of me.' "'Would you know him again if you saw him?' "'Yes. I watched Dick talking to him for several minutes. "'He would not go away at first. Perhaps he knew Dick was ill and needed care. Most likely. Did he see you? No. Are you certain? Quite certain. There is then one microscopic mercy to be thankful for. Though no one knows that you are here with Monsieur Le Gay. No one, but I dare say it will be known presently, said Annette apathetically. Not if I can prevent it said Mrs. Stoddart to herself, as she put on her pince-nez and went out to telegraph to the chemist. Annette went back to the bedside, and the sister withdrew to the window and got out her breviary. Annette sat down and leaned her tired head against the pillow with something like envy of Dick's unconsciousness. Would a certain hideous picture ever be blotted out from her aching brain? Her only respite from it was when she could minister to Dick. He was her sole link with life, the one fixed point in a shifting quicksand. She came very near to loving him in these days. Presently he stirred and sighed and opened his eyes. They wandered to the ceiling, and then fell idly on her, without knowing her, as they had done a hundred times. Then recognition slowly dawned in them, clear and grave. She raised her head, and they looked long at each other. "'Annette,' he said in a whisper, "'I am sorry.' She tried to speak, but no words came. "'Often, often when I've been lying here,' he said feebly, "'I've been sorry, but I could never say so. "'Just when I saw your face clear, "'I always went away again, a, a long way off. "'Would you mind holding my hand "'so that I may not be blown away again?' She took it in both of hers and held it. There was a long silence. A faint colour fluttered in his leaden cheek. "'I never knew such a wind,' he said. "'It's stronger than anything in the world, and it blows and blows, and I go hopping about before it like a leaf. "'I have to go. I, I really can't stay.' "'You are much better. You will soon be able to get up.' "'I don't know where I'm going, but I don't care. I, I don't want to get up. I'm tired, tired.' "'You must not talk any more.' "'Yes, I must. I have things to say.' You are holding my hand tight, Annette? Yes, look, I have it safe in mine. I ought not to have brought you here. You were in despair, and I took advantage of it. Can you forgive me, Annette? Dear Dick, there is nothing to forgive. I was more to blame than you. It was instead of the Seine. That was the excuse I made to myself. But the wind blows it away. Blows everything away. Everything. Everything. Don't be angry again like that, Annette. Promise me you won't. He were too angry, and I, I took a mean advantage of it. I, I once took advantage of a man's anger with a horse, but it brought me no luck. I thought I wouldn't do it again, but I did. 
and I haven't got much out of it this time either. I'm dying, or something like it. I'm going away for good and all. I'm so tired I don't know how I shall ever get there. Rest a little, Dick. Don't talk any more now. I, I want to give you a tip before I go. An old trainer put me up to it, and he made me promise not to tell anyone, and I haven't till now. But I wanted to do you a good turn to make up for the bad one. He said he'd never known it fail, and I haven't either. I've tried it scores of times. When you're angry, Annette, look at a cloud. Dick's blue eyes were fixed with a great earnestness on hers. Not just for a minute. Choose a good big one, like a lot of cotton wool, and go on looking at it while it moves. And the anger goes away. Sounds rot, doesn't it? But you simply can't stay angry. Seems as if everything were too small and footling to matter. Try it, Annette. Don't look at water any more, that's no use. But a cloud, the bigger the better. You won't drown yourself now, will you? No. Annette rolling down to the sea over and over, knocking against the bridges. I can't bear to think of it. Promise me. I promise. He sighed, and his hand fell out of hers. She laid it down. The great wind of which he spoke had taken him once more, whither he knew not. She leaned her face against the pillow, and longed that she too might be swept away, whither she knew not. The doctor came in and looked at them. "'Are his family coming soon?' he asked Mrs. Toddard afterwards. "'And Madame Legay? Can Madame's mother be summoned? There has been some great shock. Her eyes show it. It is not only Monsieur who is on the verge of the precipice.'" End of chapter 4